This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Thank you very much for joining us today and welcome to the Explorathon podcast, a chance for you to hear about some of the latest research projects coming from the University of Aberdeen. Explorathon 2021 is a programme of events, online content and activities being brought to you by the University of Aberdeen and other Scottish universities as part of European Researchers Night, which this year takes place on Friday the 24th of September. European Researchers Night is a Europe-wide public festival which brings researchers closer to the public. All events run as part of Explorathon 21 can be found on the website at www.explorathon.co.uk and the programme's funded by the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme under Granted Agreement 101036101. After listening today, please let us know any comments or feedback by tagging us on Twitter using the hashtag Explorathon21. This year is the Year of Scotland's Coasts and Waters, marking the vital role our watercourses play in our lives. Seaweeds play an important part in that marine environment, as well as in products. Did you know that seaweeds is a vital ingredient for a variety of products, including food, cosmetics, soil fertilisers and much more? Today I'm joined by Dr Pooja Kamari, a research fellow at the School of Biological Sciences. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Hector, for having me. So tell me a bit about your research. Yes, so I am a research fellow in the School of Biological Sciences at uh, the University of Aberdeen. I'm working on a Horizon 2020 funded MSCIF project, HelloSpec. In this project, I am working on different brown seaweed disease models, trying to identify genetic, molecular, and metabolite markers that can be exploited to develop bioassays for early detection of pathogens in seaweed. In this context, I am particularly focusing on elucidating the role of halogen metabolism in brown seaweed pathologies. Since these brown seaweeds accumulate a large amount of halogen metabolites and other halogen molecules, we can say, in their, in their tissues, which may have role in seaweed defense against pathogens. Thank you. And what are seaweeds? And how many types of seaweeds are there? Seaweeds are marine multicellular, macroscopic, photosynthetic algae. Basically, they grow in sea waters along the seashores or sea bottom, often attached to solid rocky substances. They vary in size from a few centimeters to approximately 30 meters. For example, the giant kelp. And basically, they are three types of seaweeds, green, red, and brown, mainly based on their pigments. For example, green seaweeds are green due to chlorophyll, just like land plants. Red seaweeds are red due to the presence of phycoerythrin that mask the effect of other pigments. Similarly, brown seaweeds appears brown due to glucosanthine. However, this is to note that the classification of seaweeds into green, red, and brown is not merely based on their pigments. They are quite distinct in their ultrastructure, biochemical features like cell wall composition, storage compounds, and they also have deep genetic roots of their evolutionary history. Green and red seaweeds are derived from primary endosymbiosis, while brown seaweeds are derived from the secondary endosymbiosis of red algal lineage. Thanks. And what are seaweeds important for? 
Firstly, seaweeds are important from marine ecosystem perspective. They are the key primary producers and habitat forming species. They form huge seaweed forests under the sea and provide habitat to a variety of marine organisms like barnacles, snails, sea urchins, crabs, mussels, etc. They also absorb a large amount of CO2 for photosynthesis and act as carbon sinks and thereby reduces ocean acidification. It is estimated that seaweed sequester approximately 200 million tons of CO2 every year, which is equivalent to annual CO2 emission of many cities. Secondly, if we talk about its economic importance, they are economically important to aquaculture sector. Currently, seaweed holds approximately 6 billion US dollar market of which 85% comprise of food applications, mainly for human consumption. They are the nutritional bonds and the rich sources of vitamins, minerals, protein, dietary fibers, omega-3 fatty acids, and various health-beneficial bioactive compounds. It's no wonder that they are considered as the superfood. In fact, they have been consumed as food, especially in the coastal communities for centuries, especially in the East Asian countries like Japan, China, and Korea. They are also excellent sources of animal and fish feed. Apart from food, they are also used commercially in a variety of cosmetic products, nutraceuticals and pharmaceuticals. Seaweeds are also commercially used for extracting hydrocolloids like agar-agar, agarose, carrageenan, alginates, and are used in biodegradable packaging and biofuel generation. So overall, seaweeds are sustainable sources of a variety of value-added products from the ocean. Thank you. And in Scotland, what seaweed species are there? Is there anything that makes Scottish seaweed special? Scotland is the home for a variety of seaweeds, such as those belonging to Chinus, Alaria, Fucus, Laminaria, Condrus, Sargassum, and many others. Most of these seaweeds are economically important and are used for various industrial applications. For example, Condrus and Laminaria species are extensively utilized for carrageenan and alginate production respectively, which are used in food, cosmetics, and pharmaceutical industries, mostly for their shelling properties. Then we have edible sea lettuces, ulva species, palmaria species, Irish moss, which are used in a variety of products from ice cream to salads and bread, toothpaste, shaving foams, shampoos, and our cosmetics, which we use almost every day. And also in Scotland, seaweeds have long been used as animal feed, especially in dairy farms. How has seaweed populations changed over the years and what factors are impacting on any changes? Actually, there is always a constant dynamic shift in seaweed biodiversity. Their abundance, species variations, and invasion of non-native species at local and regional levels. In the past few decades, especially with the global climate change, our oceans are getting warmer. There are heat waves. CV temperatures has increased by 2 degrees Celsius. Also, the water pH is expected to decrease by 0.4 units by another 100 years. These changes may impact some seaweeds, especially those thriving in intertidal regions where they are more vulnerable to environmental perturbance. So, it is difficult to paraphrase the long-term effect of these changes. The impact closely depends on the scale of climate change, intensity, duration, and frequency of heat waves. To far extent, such changes may lead to displacement of large 
long-lived habitat forming seaweed with small ephemeral seaweed. There have been such incidences in the past. In 2011, rising sea water temperatures and heat waves caused Western Australia to lose 43% of its kelp. Moreover, this climate change has also led to increase in the incidences and spread of seaweed diseases. There has been an approximately 10 to 20% of annual crop loss in the last decade in aquaculture farms due to diseases. Thanks. So tell us a bit more about your work focused on seaweeds. So basically, my work is mainly focused on seaweed diseases. Seaweeds are vulnerable to numerous pathogens in the sea, including bacteria, viruses, fungi, umycetes, and other endophytes, which are threats to the development of sustainable aquaculture farms and cause great economic losses globally as well as to the seaweed farmers. I am investigating different host pathogen interactions in brown seaweeds, focusing on umycetes and algal endophytes. The prevalence of these infections is very high in brown algae, which biomycetes infect almost most of the brown seaweeds and are lethal to aquaculture farms. The prevalence of algal endophytes, especially in kelp, is as high as 100% and causes morphological anomalies in host seaweeds and interfere with their fertility as well. This algal endophyte infection not only affects crop yield, but also reduces the commercial quality of products, which is a serious issue for kelp farms. So basically, I'm trying to understand how these different pathogens attack different brown seaweeds, hijack the host system, and cause damage to the tissues. In this context, I am trying to identify some genetic, molecular, as well as chemical metabolite markers using high-throughput transcriptomics and metabolomics approaches. These myobankers can be useful to detect these pathogenic diseases in seaweeds as well as may help in finding solutions to develop some biosecurity measures against these pathogens. For this, I am focusing particularly on halogenated compounds and their metabolism in brown seaweeds because brown seaweeds have a unique, highly evolved halogen metabolism. They not only accumulate halogen molecules, but also emit them to the environment. For example, kelps of genus Laminaria are one of the strongest accumulators of iodine known. They accumulate approximately 1% dry weight of iodine, which represents 30,000-fold accumulation from the seawater. They are also one of the major emitters of both molecular iodine and iodinated organics into the atmosphere. Moreover, the halogenated compounds in brown seaweeds have defense roles against oxidative stress and are involved in innate immunity. So I am looking forward to decipher what compounds are actually there in the repertoire of halogenated compounds in brown seaweeds and their significance in defense against pathogens, if any. Thank you. It sounds like really interesting work. What are the next steps for your research? Elliot, I have established different brown seaweed host and pathogen systems at the laboratory scale and how the infection progresses with time. Now I am focusing on identifying chemical metabolite markers for pathogenicity and whether any of them are halogenated. After this, I am planning to do some transcriptomics work with kelp algal endophyte packer system to find some genetic markers that can be used to develop bioassays if possible, to detect the infection in the field or aquaculture farms. Thank you. And what efforts are being made to protect seaweeds? 
Actually, there is no recommended protocol available for early detection of pathogens or diseases in CV or any real monitoring system to prevent them, especially in the field at aquaculture farms. This is mainly because of the limited knowledge available about different pathogens, their mode of action, and lack of genetic information. But now we do have some molecular tools to diagnose some of the pathogens in the laboratory and GIS software system to monitor over aquaculture farms. But this may be quite expensive, especially for small aquaculture farmers. However, the positive fact is researchers across the globe are working together in close association with aquaculture farmers as well as sharing knowledge and trying to understand in depth the disease problem that is prevalent in the aquaculture farms. An excellent example is the initiative started by Scottish Association of Marine Sciences called My Seaweed Looks Weird under the framework of Global Seaweed Start Project where anyone working with seaweeds can report and submit samples to them for identification of pathogens and their in-depth analysis at genetic and molecular levels. They have also drafted a policy brief for seaweed disease management and biosecurity measures Similar various efforts are being made at different scales across the globe to address the CV disease problem. Hopefully, soon in the near future, we may have recommended aquaculture practice guidelines for protecting CV. Thank you. So we're now running out of time, but Pooja, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me. We hope you found today's podcast interesting. But for now, thanks for joining us. And keep an eye out for our other Explorathon podcasts being launched throughout September. As I said at the beginning, we'd love to get your comments and feedback on today's podcast, so please use the hashtag Explorathon21 to tag us on social media. If you're interested in finding out more about the other events taking place as part of Explorathon 2021, then you can visit the website at www.explorathon.co.uk. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.